The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Today I have for you three-time international best-selling author and world-renowned emotional health advocate, Dr. Nita Bushan. Her book, actually, That Sucked, Now What? is one of my nightly, sometimes even morning readers, depending on you know how I feel for that day, right? But I absolutely love this book because the topics discussed are, she talks about it, when you feel stuck, how can you, things that you can do to get out of it? Or why do you feel stuck? Or like perfectionism. And there was so much actually covered in this book that if you have never read it, please go out there and check it out. It's a really, really good read. And of course, in, I have a hacky episode for you, right? And she's going to describe five-step process to help people cope with setbacks and challenges after sucky moments. So get ready for the episode. And Nita, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Zico, it's so good to see you and to meet you in person. And thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. It's an honor to have you on the show. Like I said, I love the book. People should go check it out. But with, with, with that being said, tell my audience about yourself. Oh, wow. Well, gosh. Yeah. So I am... Ooh, I have been through a lot of sucky moments and I feel like currently at this stage, I am on the other side of some of the moments that at one point took my breath away. And I think my moment of suck, as I talk about in the book, that magical moment of suck, there was a few, but I want to say that that magical moment of suck for me began in 2011. And this was December 31st. And I write about this in my introduction where I thought that I had achieved every pinnacle of success. I thought that I made it. I thought that becoming, you know, a cosmetic dentist, not even 30 and had rode the ladder and the pinnacle of success for my parents, for my family, had all of the trappings, including the first class travel, the big fancy home, the handbags, you know, the the cars that would do it. I even fell in love and I got married. And coming from a girl who is Filipino and Indian, I had immigrant parents, you know, that's the dream. That's living the dream. And I found myself specifically on December 31st, 2011, just seemingly having it all perfect on the outside 
but on the inside, I was just grappling with, you know, a ton of pain, a ton of internal turmoil, a ton of self-doubt and even just fear. And I was so fearful, you know, of basically like, what if the whole world knew and found out that the life that I was living, that I was actually a fraud because no one knew up until that particular point, New Year's Eve, that I was actually hiding a big secret that I hadn't shared uh, to anyone And that was, I was in a very toxic and emotionally and mentally, physically abusive relationship. And it was that day where I feared for my life. I needed to make a really big decision. I needed to have that courage to actually look into the mirror that day and say, wow, you know, how did I get here? And so it was through that to actually accept my reality and my reality was not looking good at that point that I haphazardly packed up everything that I could in my home and left and left that home, left that lifestyle, left really the beginnings of my old life. And even in the years to come, it would be single-handedly the day that would fully shift my life forever. Because that day was when I realized three little words and those three little words were, I need help. And I think so often when we have a certain level of success or we've had a certain level of, we've made it through something big, it's really hard to let other people in. And it's really hard to let other people in to actually help you. And that was the beginnings for me to actually heal a lot of things that I had not confronted, including a whole decade before this tumultuous, crazy divorce, which was me losing my mom, my dad, and my brother all before I was 19 years old. And so at 19, I was an orphan and I was taking care of my youngest brother, working three jobs. And so I went into my 20s with the biggest chip on my shoulder, thinking no one's going to feel bad for me. I got this. I'm strong. I'm tough because that's what I was told growing up. And it took me in my full twenties and in several different, you know, relationships, but most of the time my romantic relationships would overlap because there were things that I was afraid of. And I was actually afraid of being alone and really facing my deep, dark demons, which was the loss of my family. And so entering now my 30s after this divorce and this huge time in my life, I was 29 when this happened. And that was the beginning of a massive healing journey and a massive reclamation of myself. And it's one of the reasons why we're here today. You just gave me a whole lot to unpack there. I mean, wow, that's that's a powerful story. I didn't know that really is a powerful story. I mean, the difference between like reading a book and then like, you know, having someone tell you the story and just watching your face or expressions as you go through this. I mean, wow, that's 
that's absolutely strong. And, you know, like we talked about, you know, many people go through so much in their lives and we just feel like we're stuck. Right. So then that in your particular situation, when for my first question is what, um, when you realize that, okay, I'm, I'm hiding a secret and I need to get out of it. What really triggered that, that thought to then take an action? Oh, yes. I think that many times when people are in a certain situation, there's something dire that happens. They get a medical diagnosis. They get on the scale. They have an allergic reaction. They find an email or a text message from a friend, a lover, or a colleague, a coworker that instantly triggers, oh my gosh, you know, mistrust or uh, jealousy or rage or anger or betrayal. Um, they have to make a decision. Are they going to confront? Are they going to leave? Are they going to stay in the same situation? Are they going to get out? And I think for me, the pain had to get so bad. The situation that I was in had to get so bad that I had to question, is it safe for me to be here? And when I was able to actually answer, mm, no, and even going one step deeper in that, I was really in that time of my life starting to surround myself with other friends that can remind me of my truth, that can remind me of how playful I was, was and how, you know, how much fun we used to have together to get me out of the depths that I was in, the depths of sadness that I was in to actually help me realize, okay, you know, you got this, even without fully understanding or knowing my situation. And I think even more so relationships have been the through line for me my whole life. I mean, it started when I was a teenager watching, you know, my parents and my mom succumb to her breast cancer. And then a year later, you know, my brother dying. So we had a really big support system growing up in terms of, you know, friends, family, extended family. And that's that community piece. And I talk a lot about that in the book, but you're, you're asking like that, that actual spark. And what I talk about in the book is that ignition, because when we have a fall, there's also that ignition. And for me, the ignition was how much more worse is this going to get if I actually stay in my current situation? And even in those words, you know, I feel like that's a metaphor for life. How much is it going to take for us to realize we have to make a change and that change is going to be hard. That change might be painful. That change is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to cause discomfort, but are we willing to get into that rising stage to stand up again, to actually share, all right, let's, let's, let's be uncomfortable. Let's be messy. Let's get it. Let's get chaotic and let's be okay in the chaos. And that's that rising, that's rising out of the pain. It's like the phoenix rising from the ashes and emerging into something new. And, you know, perhaps maybe it's stronger, but maybe it's even softer because I share that in my early 20s and even in my teenage years, I was told, you know, you're strong, Nita, you're resilient, you're tough. 
but I was never allowed to really express the depth and the sadness and the, you know, the, the awful pain that I was literally going through. So I suppressed it. I thought, actually, you're right. Maybe I don't need to process and unpack all these emotions. And then so later it would come out as burnout because I was running, 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 running from my emotions so much that I would literally burn out in the relationship that I was in, in the career that I was working with as a cosmetic dentist, achieving, 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 because that was my coping mechanism. My coping mechanism was to overperform, overdo, overcompensate because I felt like, okay, if I wasn't on the chase, then what would that make me? Would it make me less worthy of love? Would it make me less worthy of belonging? Because on the other side of that is not fitting in, is abandonment, is rejection. And these were, again, the wounds coming up again from my youth. And I had to get so uncomfortable with being alone, being and sitting in the sock where there was that reframe to actually then say, well, now what? Now what? Now what? Because you've allowed yourself to feel these very uncomfortable feelings that we're actually taught as society to numb, bury, uh, distract, pick up our phone, get that dopamine in other places instead of actually being in that discomfort and seeing how we respond and seeing how it washes over us. You're so right about so many things. Like, and I grew up in a Jamaican culture, especially for men, like we're not taught to have feelings right at all. Now, as you can tell behind me, I have my guitar. So, you know, I'm a musician, um, I guess, quote unquote, I'm not like a professional or anything, but I, I am definitely a very emotional guy. Let me tell you that. So I have to shed that nonsense from growing up because I, I was the oldest and I had a lot of situate things put on my shoulder and everybody thought that, oh, he can bear it. He can deal with it. You know, and that's what you went through is like everybody thought, yo, you're the strong one because we make, especially in minority society, and this happens in a lot of other societies as well, but speaking from the minority piece, is, you know, we have bad tendencies to rely on the person that we think is going to be the strongest. They're not always the oldest, but we like, this person got it. This person is smart. This person is this. And we put a lot of pressure on them, which carries into adulthood. So we don't feel like, oh, we're allowed to have emotions. We don't feel like we're allowed to have bad days. We don't feel like we are allowed to have suck because we're just supposed to push past it somehow. Now, a lot of times this can go into really bad situations like people commit suicide and mm -hmm. you know and you know try I try you know overdose on drugs and or or you know get addicted to different substances because of where they're pushed right and they feel like they don't have that support system i interviewed someone i remember who it was and we we're talking about suicide mm -hmm. and when does it when does like bad moments lead to really suicide and they, you said that it's when you feel like you don't have enough hope, when the hope is gone, like a bunch of bad stuff can happen and most time we can get out of it. But when you feel like nobody understands me, everybody keeps telling me I'm a strong person, everybody keeps telling me this, but nobody really gets me and I'm alone. That's when it, it can move from I'm having bad days to I just want to end this all, right? So that's really, um, that's, that's really strong. And my follow-up question to that is, 
And when you're going through this whole thing, because I know it wasn't, oh, I have a thought and I'm just going to move out and yay, my family, my friends are there and everything is good. Right. So like, what was going on inside of you? Like mentally, as you were going through, you were going through the suck, like what was really eating away at you? Yeah, I think especially in those dark days, you know, when you feel, and just to your point to bring up, you know, did I have suicidal thoughts ever? No, but I had a lot of dark thoughts. And, you know, I think those dark thoughts, it's so easy for us to, you know, watch a meme or watch a motivational video to try to get out of the darkness because we're so afraid to sit there. But I think on the other hand, if we're constantly ruminating and ruminating on how bad things are and just really stuck in our spiral and stuck in our loop, that can take us to that full edge of, you know, the no return, the wanting to end everything. And I think for me in those deep, dark days, I remembered, you know, just even the a mantra that my dad, he was very spiritual and he was from India. And I remember that even in my dark days, in my dad's dark days of losing his wife, Every Sunday, he would actually meditate for sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours, sometimes three hours, and he'd be chanting because in the Hindu tradition, even though he was spiritual, he was raised Hindu and Sikh, um, in the Hindu tradition, you're actually chanting and you have these mala beads and it's 108 mala beads, and, but you're chanting the same chant over and over again. And, and, you know, we've seen this in mantras where we say it quite a few times and it actually causes a relaxation response to our nervous system. And without fail, he was constantly, that was his source of, of self-love. That was his source of mental peace. That was his source of releasing. And even after my brother passed, this was again his routine. And so when I was sitting in my own suck after I had haphazardly moved out in the middle of the night, didn't know where I was going to go, you know, got a temporary situation, went to save face for my, you know, practice and had to literally tell everyone because they were working for me that hey, I don't know if this is actually going to be open. I actually don't know where I'm even going to stay, but I had to muster the courage again to let people in. And the more I did that, the more I actually, even though it was uncomfortable, even though it was like, I don't really want to share this with anyone. I had no choice. I had to, because they needed to know if they were going to have a job. And I had to be very honest and forthcoming to say, I don't actually know what's going to happen. But what I do know is, can we actually do this together? Are you willing to walk the walk with me? And I did lose some people that day, but that was, you know, that was the turning point. And to even lean into practices like my dad's mantra and chanting, it led me to different places around the world. It led me to look 
yes, within myself and within the tools that I had, I started going to different meditation retreats. I started going to the ashrams that my dad went to when he was younger. I visited, you know, where my dad's birthplace was, my mom's birthplace, the places where it kept them whole and sane and loved. And just for me to even have that reverence in that spiritual aspect uh, was what helped ground me. So oftentimes it's so easy for us to get so busy. It's so easy for us to do things for other people, but it's hard to do it for ourselves. And I was so used to pouring into other people, helping other people become better, helping other people, you know, um, so that I didn't have to think about my own darkness. And I think that's what really that suck now what allows you to do is to, yes, have the tools to sit in the suck, but not get stuck in the suck. That's why the book is called That Sucked, Not This Sucks, meaning that we're still sitting in the suck, but we can actually say, all right, now what? Now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to take action on. Now, what am I going to invite people in? Now, what am I going to do? Sign up to work with somebody. And it was in those dark moments that I said, I need help. And help started coming in, in terms of angels and coaches and therapists and other healers and leaders and opportunities to go, you know, sit in different kinds of retreats and experiences and and that was you know all part of the healing journey and so the first part of this episode right we know, I know i'm diving into a lot and some of these questions i'm asking wasn't like my original plan but yeah. with your story being as powerful as it is i want to bring to my audience the suck understand that there's a lot that can really happen and i'm sure people who are watching or listening have gone through a lot in their lives as well and just don't know how to come out of it right so Continue with talking about that. I have something that I just kind of came to my mind because a lot of times when we're in a sucky situation and, you know, we haven't gotten to the what, um, what next, right? Mm -hmm. But we're still in the sucky situation or we want to get to that what next, but then we feel like we should come back. Like, you know, like that, that, that fear factor behind leaving that situation, right? So mm -hmm. when you started making your transition out of that sucky situation, did you ever have any afterthought of, did I do something wrong? Maybe I should go back into what I was. And if you did, how did you address those? Yeah, no, there wasn't ever a decision of me going back. And I think so often, and this is even in my book, part three of flying forward, there are two sets of people. There are people who, when they have a fall, they tend to go back. And when they have a fall, they tend to not do anything. They sit in that same situation. So they can have that health diagnosis. They won't do anything. They can have the, the diet that didn't go well they're not going to change anything. They're going to just say, oh, it didn't work. They can have the friend that betrayed them, but still trust the friend again. They can have the boyfriend that cheated over and over again and you know, still stays in the same relationship. Again, that person has to go through their own 
what I like to call independent awakening, their own awakening to actually say, is there a different version of me out there? Because at the root of it, you know, as humans, we can be complacent. We can, we can feel safe and comfortable. And all we want to do is feel safe and secure. And it's safe and secure to be and know even the dark demons around you. That's why a lot of times, you know, I used to have a, an, uh, an organization that was meant to help people in domestic violence situations because many times they don't have the confidence to leave or they don't think their situation will get better. And so they decide to stay. I was one of those until I realized that my fall ignited something else in me. There was a fire in me that said, what is the next step? And what is that next step that's going to look so different than I'm actually used to, but I am willing to take that risk to see what else is out there. And and maybe it's a book that they read because again, when the student is ready, like that proverb says, the Buddhist proverb, the teacher appears. And, you know, if you are in a fall and if for those of you who've been through something and you're listening to this and you've stumbled across this episode, maybe that time is now. That time is now where you are now ready to make that shift, where you are now ready. You feel the ignition. You feel that there is something that's lit under you that you don't want to go back to that place, that you want to step into the ignition and make a shift and change. And that shift and change is going to be hard. That shift and change is going to get messy. It's going to get even more uncomfortable, but that there is, you know, any time that we have a break down, any time we have a really big fight or, you know, something terrible happens, right? That's what I talk about in the book of that magical moment that sucked. If we think of all of the times things didn't go our way, but then actually it may have led to that next person. It may have led to the person that you're with now and look at where you are or where your health journey has led you to listen to this podcast or maybe the fact that the last job that you got fired at led you to doing what you do now. These are all these magical moments that sucked. It had to take an ignition to get to a rising stage. And that rising stage means that you're accepting your reality. You're not trying to change it. You're accepting your reality. You're accepting that, you know what? I might be the smallest person in the room and that's okay. I might be the person that knows nothing. I might be the person that is coming out of this relationship, not having any community or any friends or knowing anyone. And that's okay. I'm going to start new. And accepting that reality allows you to have a different reverence for your situation, a love for yourself, a love and acceptance for where you are and then where you're going. So that is really good. I, I really love that. And anybody that's watching or listening, go back and listen to that section. If you feel like you're stuck, the thing that really stood out to me was accepting the situation. Because I think that's where a lot of us don't really realize that we have to accept the situation before we can get out of the situation, right? 
that personally like stuck that to me that's what really stuck out so then my follow-up question is because you mentioned the book you talk about the bounce back factor right so connect when we do accept the situation connect that to the bounce back factor because now we're getting into like getting out of the suck yeah so there are four components to really help you bounce back from anything in life and and the reason why there's four is because well it's that foundation it's that foundation that anchors us that grounds us and many times it actually helps build what i like to call your audacious resilience and your audacious resilience does not need to look like just mental toughness it can also look like being soft being compassionate for yourself slowing down taking a pause instead of reacting and what i mean by that is we the first pillar is that we cannot really change our past, right? We can't change our upbringing. We can make peace with it. We can actually see, ah, okay, I am this way because I grew up X. I grew up in a single family household. I grew up with caretakers. I grew up as a latchkey kid. I grew up with helicopter parents. I grew up with tiger parents. I grew up in a really strict household. Um, you know, but we're looking and we're observing from an external part of ourselves to say, okay, this was my situation growing up. I'm the oldest, I'm the youngest. Were you taught to speak your mind at the dinner table or were you taught to suppress yourself at the dinner table? Were you heard, validated, seen when you were growing up or were you not? Were you rejected? Were you abandoned? Did that inform the way that you make relationships or the way that maybe you don't get attached to people? And the second part of that, so we can make peace with that, right? We can't change anything that happened in the past or what didn't go well or the things that we failed in or the setbacks or the things that didn't go right. But now what we can control is our current environment. And that's pillar number two. And our current environment is all about, well, how often are we inviting good stress? And I know we don't like stress at all. And you're like, how can any stress be good? But hear me out. When you're going to the gym and you're you're lifting those weights or you're being challenged to run a mile in under nine minutes, are you challenging yourself? Are you actually pushing your muscles to the edge? Because when we push it to the edge, we're actually breaking down those muscles to actually regenerate and build stronger ones, bigger ones, right? And so the same goes for our surroundings. Are we having a difficult conversation without reacting? Are we conveying our thoughts and our feelings without judging or without thinking that somebody else is judging us? Are we able to speak our truth even if we might get rejected? These are ways to invite good stress because these are things that we all want to avoid. We all want to avoid confrontation. We don't like to speak our mind when it's, when, when things are, are, are rough or or we're going to hit some resistance. But the more we do that, we get to increase our bounce factor. So find out what you need to lean into and lean into that 
discomfort and be okay with that. That's good stress. That's inviting that. And that could look like saying yes to a coach, saying yes to a trainer, saying yes to a therapist. Now, the third thing is, is your emotional capacity to feel. And this goes back into, well, are you okay with your anger? Or were you told to suppress your anger? Are you okay with showing emotion, crying? Or were you told to suppress that? I think I shared in my book that I was, there was a point in time where I had so much anger and rage, but I didn't know how to even express that because I had so much of that bottled up during the times that I couldn't control when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And so it turned out that I love to control everything, but it was only because I was like suppressing all of the anger and emotions because we're so afraid that we may do something to harm other people or ourselves but that there can also be a healthy way to release that anger and rage. And also, if you're good with your anger, maybe you might not be okay with expressing sadness or grief. And so you bury that or you make a lot of jokes or you don't want to sit in that pain because it's too hard. So it's easier to get mad than it is to feel sad. So that's the emotional spectrum to allow yourself to feel. But in order to do that, we have to identify how we are feeling. We have to see how that actually makes us feel in our body. And then finally, we arrive at your RSA. And your RSA is all about your radical self-awareness. This is your ability to really lean into your intuition, to really see what is actually in that season for you? What do you actually need? And what do you not need right now? Can you actually say no? And that is your bounce factor. Powerful, right? Like, like that's, that's absolutely good because like I said, I've, the, the, the part, the first part is recognizing the situation that you're in. And then it kind of builds up to how can you come out of that situation? So that's why the book says that sucked. Now what? What's that next step, right? So thank you for sharing that. And again, for people who are watching, people who are listening, please go back and like watch or listen to that section. Um, especially if you feel like you're in situations that you, you just don't know what to do. Now, the interesting thing about this interview is that people who have been watching or listening to me for a while knows that I always have like a hack of the episode and I say, hey, this is what a hack is. But we've covered that, right? Because we just talk about the five steps. So my next question, I want you to kind of leave my audience like a golden nugget, like any of all the things you've experienced and how you've come back, like what, if someone that's going through something right now and they were sitting by you, maybe they're crying and they're just talking to you and you want to show empathy and or maybe help that person. What's like the one thing that you would say to them? I would say embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. This is where we're at. And it's beautiful. It's messy. It's chaotic, but it can also be life changing. This can also be the next chapter, the next evolution of you and where you're going and you're becoming. So don't be afraid to suck at something new. So what I'm hearing is ignoring the problem will not let the problem go in a way, but embrace the problem. You can start making steps towards improving or just getting out of the situation altogether. 
Absolutely. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And with that being said, the last thing I'm going to ask, let my audience know how can they learn more about your work, maybe get a copy of your book. Yes, Hold on, absolutely. I'm having trouble here, guys. Here it is, here it is, a copy of the book, so on, so <laughs> Thank you, yes. And when you get a copy of the book, you can actually go to thatsuckednowwhat.com and enter in your order number. Uh, and basically, you'll have access to your free 44-page guidebook and a five-day meditation healing practice. This is all free for, for anybody who grabs the book. Uh, I wanted to make this accessible and I wanted to make it easy for you to heal on your own. And I know that so many readers have also shared this with their loved one, with a friend, with their family member. It's always great to do it, you know, as a team together with somebody else. There we go. And of course, you know, because I am such a nice guy, I'll make sure that her website are in the show notes. And I was like thinking in my head, like, what are the show notes going to be, right? Because, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. It may be kind of long, but I'm just going to go for it. So it's going to be zikahelp.com slash that sucked. Now what? That's really what the show notes are going to be, everyone. Please don't crucify me for this. But I will make sure to make it easy for everyone that the show notes are in the description of the episode as well. And with that being said, Nita, thank you for being here. Thank you for being vulnerable and really going deep into your story, because I'm sure this episode is going to help many people, including the book that you've written. And with that being said, we're out for the day, fam. Thank you so much, love. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.